Welcome to a new episode of the Curious Podcast featuring successful women in tech and science in Asia. I'm Grace Chung with my co-host, Lina Sol Ng. Hello there. Thanks for the intro, Grace. On today's Curious Podcast, our special guest is a data scientist. Before we bring her on, Grace, can you clear this up for me? You know, there's data science, data mining, data design, data analysis, and of course, big data. What exactly is this discipline? Exactly. So I had this wonderful idea of asking a data scientist to come on board and to tell us all about data science. So please welcome Erika Legara, Associate Professor at the Asian Institute of Management based in the Philippines. She's also the Academic Program Director of the Master of Science Program. Hi Erika, thank you for making time for us today. Hi Grace, hello Lina. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, today. It's such a pleasure. Right. So, Erica, data science is a fairly new field, right? First, um, in 1996, we were doing some research and we found that in 1996, data science was featured as a topic by the International Federation of Classification Societies. And then in 2003, Columbia University launched a journal of data science and then the topic was born, the, the, the uh, discipline was born. So could you clear this up for us, data science, data analytics? <laughs> what is your, your view on the, what's your observation? Uh, thank you for that question, Grace. Actually, that seems like an easy question, but it's not. Different data scientists, different computational people will have different definitions. But for me, the way I view data science, it's really, um, sorry for the, the redundancy, it's really the science of data. It's like problem solving using data. So for me, it doesn't really matter much what kind of tools you're using, as long as you use the scientific method using data to solve a particular problem. Many would uh, define it and associate it with um, artificial intelligence, which is actually the case right now. A lot of enterprises, a lot of organizations, when they think data science, they use data and they build models using this uh, predictive models and machine learning to actually come up with uh, a system that we reconstruct their observations. They also call that data science. Right. But is that um, AI, is that artificial intelligence as well? Yes, um, artificial intelligence can be thought of as a specific method. Okay. okay. So data science, for me, it's a much bigger umbrella. So that's a discipline. Yes, it's a discipline altogether. It's like, it's a pipeline from asking the questions to gathering the data to answer the questions to building models where you can use artificial intelligence so that you can reconstruct the observations and then deploying what you have developed to the organization so they can have some actionable insights on their end. Yes, right. Erica, I get it. Um, data scientists break down these usable stats and use them for different domains. Correct, so, correct. And I'm most familiar with its use in marketing and communications. Uh, I mean, being in the industry. Um, could you tell us about the other applications you're working on? Oh, there's, there's actually a lot of them, but I'm, let me just focus on maybe three. Uh, the, the current work that I'm doing. So the first one is on understanding the science of cities. I use data science there. In the study of markets, same things, using data science. And of course, my work in Singapore on the study of transportation systems. 
Uh, let me just break down a bit, Nina, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Uh, so in the science of cities, our team is actually looking into cyber physical systems, wherein you have sensors uh, um, installed in a, let's say, administrative region. So we use data-driven science and complex systems modeling to characterize a city or a municipality. Simply put, it's like we're coming up with a scientific measure that could help characterize different administrative regions even those in the developing countries, especially those in the developing countries. This is to help aid policymakers in their much more informed strategic city planning. Now that's both for short and long-term urban planning. Now on the second one on markets, uh, we recently published a work that analyzed sovereign bond yields mm -hmm. at the onset of COVID-19. And uh, we, were, we were interested in comparing the dynamics then uh, from previous financial events versus COVID-19. And we're also able to relate significance of economic and health variables to understand market dynamics. And finally, in the study of transportation systems, you know, our, our, our team investigated both the rapid transit system and the taxi ride sharing system in Singapore. We analyzed the EasyLink data to improve the Singapore rail experience and help, you know, as we call it, uh, we help the trains take the strain. <laughs> and also modeled the taxi ride sharing dynamics and explored what if scenarios using the lens of the regulators and also the waiting times of passengers and even profitability of the drivers under different schemes. So as you can see, it's really, that's why I love data science because I can jump from one field to another. <laughs> okay, this is so interesting. You know, I, I, I like this, um, what you talked about on transportation, and you did that when you were with A-Star in Singapore, right? That's true. Uh, well, I have to tell you a secret about Grace. She <laughs> is an avid cyclist. How many times oh. a week do you do, Grace, and what distances? Well, not long, because I, I have a very small bicycle. Uh, uh -huh. It's a tricycle, actually, because I need, I need help in balancing. So it's a small six-inch wheel, so I can't go very fast. Um, I do about 12, 15 clicks a time, uh, you know, but I'm also a self-quantifiable uh, person. So I like to take data about myself. The thing is, I don't know how to deploy the data <laughs> to, to read it, <laughs> you know. Um, so talking about that data and, and, and you are looking at uh, transport systems, but the one that you're doing on cities in Manila, how will that information be used? Uh, to improve city planning in Manila? Number one, just by tracking the metrics already allows you to understand what are, are how, how you can improve certain aspects of the city. So that's right. one. So the other, the first one is like just, just data analytics. There's no modeling yet. So it's just gathering data, putting them on dashboards so that they get to inform policymakers like, hey, the pollution here is very high. Do something about it, right? Yeah. On the other end, it's the modeling. It's like um, if a, if a city planner wants to, let's say, build a mall, right, that's a specific part, how will that impact the livelihoods of the people? How will that impact human mobility, for example? So this is where the modeling and simulations come in. But for both uh, fronts, the first is on descriptive analytics, the second is on this, uh, predictive analytics, we use a lot of data science tools and techniques there. Has it been implemented yet? Uh, we are closely working with the mayor. Uh, it's still ongoing, but we are very um, optimistic that it will be implemented. In fact, another city in the Philippines is interested in our approach and our, we're now crafting a proposal so that we get to extend this project from one municipality to another. Right. That's great okay. because we, we do have to live life quite differently these days. So I'm sure that's 
that's going to be very useful information. That's true. <laughs> and what have you uh, found in your studies on sovereign, um, ban uh, sovereign bond yields? I think that's fascinating. Well, it's, it's really not unexpected. Uh, what, what we just found was that uh, these different markets started to decouple uh, in a sense because of the COVID-19. So we looked at the correlations and they were decreasing. You know, but I think what's more interesting in our approach is really the methods that we used. We used uh, a more modern network models to understand these different systems. So that was the reason for the publication. Mm, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, we hear more and more about them. Uh, I think it's quite, it's quite good that, um, com that countries are, are investing and investing quite aggressively, actually. Yes. <laughs> you, you have written a book, Data Science as Nation Building. Uh, it's, it's really more of like, uh, it's not really a book, but we're helping the government come up with a roadmap. Uh, but if, yeah, it's like a, a policy advice, a guideline for our government on how they can use artificial intelligence. Because right now, really, it's not just the enterprises that see data science and AI as a strategic capability. Right now, even the nations, the countries, government sees as a nation defining capability. So that is where uh, our, our work is right now, really like just talking to different um, uh, departments or ministries and really understanding how AI could help impact to help our enterprises not just survive, but even thrive in this fourth industrial revolution. Yeah, well, your most uh, recent award was the 2020 Outstanding Young Scientist by the National <laughs> Academy of Science and Technology, NAST in the Philippines. Congratulations for that. Thank you, Lina. And then in 2018, you were awarded Outstanding Young Men and Women, TOYM Honorary for Education and Innovation. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'd like to turn your attention uh, and our listeners' attention as well to the STEM studies because, you know, what, what is involved in education um, innovation? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, sorry. No, you spoke um, earlier about um, you were, your first study was physics. Mm. You know, and then from physics, you moved into data science. And yes. uh, so maybe you you'd like to share with us the importance of studying a science subject mm -hmm. and how that helps you to develop the thinking, the critical thinking needed. Mm. Yes, um, many students do not like science. I'm not so sure <laughs> if that is the same in, in Singapore, but definitely yes. in the Philippines, there's this like misconception that if it's science or mathematics, it's all about memorization and people mm. don't like to memorize. Mm. But really, if you deep dive, if you start really doing science, what you will learn is that there's a lot of new things and it requires you to think critically. And for me, that is really exciting. Science trains you to be much more observant and to really question what you're seeing and even come up with things that would allow you to, to reconstruct what it is that you're seeing. So uh, I tell people I am in the field of science because I don't want to get bored. <laughs> science right. is not boring at all, especially if it's your, if it's, uh, your job, because you get to see new things all the time. You get to see data, you get to analyze data that not everyone gets to see. And I take pride in that. No? So um, building models, helping society with the kind of science that you do is really exciting. And like I said, there's always new observations. There are always new things coming in. And yeah, it's a never boring field, which is 
quite opposite sometimes to what we're learning from yeah. elementary school or <laughs> high school, right? Yeah, yeah. You well, know, I, in- I, I like the way that you applied it, Erica, to um, in your research, undergraduate research, you applied it to multi-level marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just um, tell us a bit about that? So physics is the study of dynamics, right? Um, from, from, from the movement of the gases. And now we're just extending it to people, people dynamics. And uh, for the multi-level marketing, you have a network of people. So we're very interested in the spread of information. Much like if you have a forest fire, the spread of fire in the forest, or if you have like a perfume, how the perfume spreads in a room. So it's the same idea there. Like how do you propagate information and how do you get to convince someone to join you? Because uh, multi-level marketing is uh, like network marketing. And sometimes if it's illegal, it's associated with um, pyramid scams, right? Yeah. So we wanted to study that. We wanted to see if it's really profitable and how can you build a more profitable and equitable marketing scheme using word of mouth marketing. Right. So what did you find out from that study that you did? Oh, um, it was a bit controversial because we got to prove both empirically and also using modeling and simulations that it's not profitable if you don't have a sustainable product to sell. If it's purely, if you're earning purely from recruitment, at the end of the day, it's going to slump. So it's going to be to grow exponentially. Let's say if you have two recruits and your two recruits would recruit two more, eventually it's not going to be growing exponentially. Uh, after some level L, it's going to slump. So a lot of those who will be coming in later in the, in the business will really lose a lot of money if you don't have a viable and sustainable product to sell. And that's why they keep adding products. Is that why? I mean, uh, I yes. that is that is true. That is true. But that's the only way of surviving. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So data science is a growing topic everywhere, and the talent is always in demand for this, right? So you are teaching a master's course mm-hmm. at the institute, right? So um, are these working adults you are teaching? This is, uh, they were working prior to joining the program uh, because the program is a full-time data science program. So they would need to have to quit work. Uh, Sometimes we do accept fresh graduates, especially the really, really brilliant ones. Uh, So we accept them to the the program. You know, our program, Grace, is quite unique in that sense because it focuses on both the technical aspect of data science and also the business aspect of data science. So we're teaching students to to learn both the language of of the STEM and also the language of the enterprises. Now, because a lot of companies right now, if you will just talk to them, they are frustrated because they hire all of these data scientists, the technical people, the geeks, but then at the end of the day, they don't get to deliver what's important for the company. So we were saying like, okay, if we want data scientists right now, especially because it's new, we have to train them to also speak the language of the enterprise. Right. Okay. So the business is uh, the business knowledge is important. Very important. Very important. Right. So if you are a person uh, studying science um, or want to get into data science, what is it that they have to study? How do they prepare right. themselves? Well, that's a that's a tough question, <laughs> but um, like for me, I, I really didn't study the field of data science, right? But I was very much exposed to real world data and also programming. 
I think that's the, those two are very important ingredients. And then the next ingredient would be having the ability or the capability to communicate because data science involves a particular domain. And more often than not, we are not the domain experts. We are just the ones who crunch the data, who build the models using Python or whatever language it is that's available to us. But then at the end of the day, making these projects meaningful, we have to talk to a domain expert, like a marketing expert or someone in biology. You know, So if you want to be a data scientist, number one, you have to be curious because you're still a scientist, right? Yes. Um, but second is the reality is you have to know programming. Now, it's, it's a must skill. And if you want to go deep into data science, you have to really understand the mathematics. So calculus has to be there. Linear algebra has to be there. But then we also have the functional analysts, Grace and Lena, wherein they don't really have to know the ins and outs of the mathematics, but they just know a high level understanding of um of the different models and they get to implement. Because a lot of programs and software right now will just allow you to implement models, feed the data and then press run, and then yeah. you get the data. But um, yeah, we do have students who didn't even come from STEM backgrounds, but they have this passion to learn the mathematics and they have the capability to learn programming in such a short amount of time. So um, if you don't have that calculus and maths background, but you must be able to understand the numbers that gets yeah. crunched, right? So then you can learn, you can interpret the insights. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's what, we, what, that's what we actually call functional analysts. Right, so okay. You don't necessarily have to do all of the, the neural network models, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, I think data scientists put a lot of sense um, into statistics and they make it useful. That's, you know, that's Make it insightful and actionable for um, the stakeholders, yes. Other okay. industries that you wish that uh, data science could be used more in? Actually, it's very difficult to think of an industry that won't find data science useful. You know, from from healthcare to education, even even to governance. Uh, governance may meaning in the government. Um, as long as you have a lot of data, and you want to do some kind of forecasting or foresighting then definitely there's an application there for the field of data science. Right. Well, thank you very much, Erica, for joining us today and sharing with us and illuminating uh, what data science is all about. Well, that was Professor Erica Lagara, Program Director of Master of Science in Data Science at the Asian Institute of Management. Do join us again next week as we unpack the journeys of successful women in science and tech in Asia Goodbye. Sorry. Sorry.